You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? back with uh, Imagine If at the full power of our brains. <laughs> yeah, Phil's going to be back. Um, somebody, you know, came in and they broke my back and then challenged for my title and then there were four of me running around and it was very tough and <laughs> Mitch had to stop this unstoppable monster and then, you know, he also got put down for a bit and then there were four imposters coming. You well, know, you know, the reign of the Mitches. I had to, uh, actually, I, you know, I had to, I went back and I, uh, Took out the rest of my core members and decided <laughs> to wear all their rings. Went a little crazy for a while. <laughs> yeah. I uh, found out there was a clone of me. And <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, so, barring any uh, reincarnated Red Skulls coming through the door and uh, taking us out, we'll see if we can get through this episode and you know in- entertain our listeners for as much as we can. Yep. So. It's great to be back. Thank you, guys. And let's see what kind of show we got going on here. Well, you know, first we have some questions off of uh, off our Facebook page, so I'd love to go over that first. Um, first thing we have is Daniel, an, a host from one of the other uh, Geek Elite Radio Network's podcasts. I work with him on Televised Heroics, but he wanted to know, uh, what would happen if Superman obtained a GL ring, uh, Green Lantern, for those who don't know, and was forced to fight Sinestro. Ooh. If this hasn't already happened. I don't believe the Sinestro part has happened, but uh, in one iteration or another, he's gotten a GL ring before. Yeah, we've actually we've seen him have um, Green Lantern rings several times. Uh, face-to-face with Sinestro, though, that has not happened. So, that'd, so that'd be that'd, exciting. That'd be the interesting part. So uh, I know one of the other times that he... Uh, a story where Superman has gotten the GL ring is when uh, Clark Kent's parents sent their one and only baby to Krypton yes. to be raised by uh, Jor-El and uh, Laura. Yeah, because when he went to Krypton, he actually was considerably weaker. Right. Like, he wasn't even like up to their standards. He was just subhuman. It's because so the, to... the idea is that uh, Krypton's gravity is heavier yep. or stronger than Earth. So he, uh, I, and I remember in that book, do you remember what it's called? Uh, Superman, Last Son of Earth, right? I think so. I believe it was Last Son of Earth. Uh, and and Earth was the planet that was going to be destroyed in that one, or blow up like Krypton usually does in the stories. But he uh, Jor El goes and creates a exoskeleton for him to wear in the first book. Yeah, in the in part one he gets the exosuit, and then of course you know as the the evils start coming and things like that, um, the ring makes it to him. So that was that's what enabled him to be a normal person again and not have to rely on the exosuit. Was him having a Green Lantern ring? Right. A uh, really cool story. Yes, very, very interesting. You know, thinking that Pa Kent was the scientist genius that was able to send a baby in intergalactic space. It was a hell of a tractor that he put him in. <laughs> <laughs> Another story that comes to mind that where Green, uh, where Superman had a Green Lantern ring was actually from kind of uh, the the uh, the comic book run that we're talking about. JLA issues 
eight and nine, if I remember correctly. So the new Grant Morrison Justice League of America team, JLA, they were uh, basically kidnapped and kind of put to sleep or trapped in a dream world by the villain Key. And in Superman's uh, dream state, he was the sole protector of Krypton, and he was their Green Lantern. Because a funny twist in actual DC comic lore, I guess it's uh, Green Lantern Sector 2813, which is where the planet Krypton was, which is protected by Tomar Ray. Wow, I didn't. I never realized that <coughs> Krypton would have been so close in comparison. I mean, you would think two eight one four and two eight one three are right next to each other. Yeah, yeah. So, but isn't uh, Sinestro's? Isn't his planet Korgar like in two eight one three? No, uh, I think he's like fourteen oh. something. He's something like that. He's. Hmm. He's a lower number. I always thought for some reason that it was close, but I guess so. Tomar Ray, yeah, Tomar Ray. He's the he's the neighboring Green Lantern. Okay, and he so, didn't but, do a good job that one day. Well, on Krypton. <laughs> I mean, I guess what could you really do against a planet imploding upon itself? Yeah, well, and the tough question is, you know, with Green Lantern rings, are they allowed to? You know, could he? I mean, realistically, if a planet's dying, you know, granted, yes, the power and the will, but. The right to. I mean, if you True. had a Green Lantern ring, are you supposed to be stopping every tornado? Now, yes, we as people think, well, yeah, you should, but that's natural disasters. Well, know? I mean, the, yeah, you know, that's that's not to get too geeky <laughs> with everybody, but you know, that's uh, you know, Star Trek is the best example of what you do in that situation. Have they made first contact with this this planet yet? Do they know of alien races? You would think that Tomar Ray would have got the rest of the core together to be like. Hey, we need to transport as many people off this planet as we possibly can. True. Uh, obviously, they knew about aliens. They know, you know, so they they would have been okay. But Superman was created much long time before That's the Green true. Lantern. So. 1938 versus 1959. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we we can we can we can relax on Tomare. <laughs> he might have had an off day. Um. So in that story, he gets he's a protector of Krypton. Uh. And I think that's the same story I've talked about before where, like, he had... I mean, that's the same books where he, like, he was born on Thanagar or something like that, too, right? Where he, he gets a hawk suit? No, that was... That's a whole different set of stories where they So they doesn't he him. get a Green Lantern ring in that set they of did stories, have, too? Yeah, in that story arc, they did. Because I think that's the one that has... Where it's like the Green Lantern suit, but with the red cape. Yes. Something like that. But yeah, right. I know I, I know what you're talking because, yeah, they did like, you know, he was on Mars, he was on Thanagar, he was on um, Oa, things like that. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. So so there's that story, and then, you know, there's obviously, I don't know how many more stories there are, but the one big, another big one of more recent history is uh, Injustice, God's Among Us storyline, yes. where he gets a oh, yellow ring. Man, right. That, by the way, if you have not read Injustice, do it. Um, pause this well listen to the podcast first pause it. <laughs> go get that book you are going to love it year two was insane when they started adding the green lantern mythos into it because exactly superman is just going full throttle with villainy and evil and sinestro's like yeah dance my little monkey dance and wow that i i can't i don't want to spoil it for you but i want to spoil it for you. <laughs> well so those are some prime examples of stories you can go read where superman one of the most powerful beings in all of the dc universe gets a the most powerful weapon in the dc universe right. so uh now the second part of the question how would he fare with the power ring against sinestro i guess more more specifically a green lantern ring yeah okay so now here here's my thought I would say I think he would fail. I would I would say Sinestro would outclass him just because Sinestro has 
He's had a Green Lantern ring, so he knows how it works. He's had a yellow ring, so he knows how it works. Um, Superman, you know, he's probably just gotten this ring. You know, he's he's you can't beat the experience regardless of how long they've had it. No, exactly. You always will have more experience. But I would say the, the, the biggest thought is that when that ring came to Earth, it went straight to Hal Jordan. It knew about Guy Gardner. It didn't pick up Clark Kent Kal-El on its radar. So if this ring goes to Superman, it's more of a distress call like, hey, here's here's a neat little token. But he's not going to get to know how to use it to its fullest ability. So, I mean, I think Sinestro would definitely trump him. Now, what would be interesting to play with this story, you know, like what if we did, okay, imagine if, you know, Kal-El of Krypton is selected to be the Green Lantern of Sector 2813. So he's got it from a dying Tomar Ray. And, you know, just as Hal Jordan trained under Sinestro, Sinestro trains um, Kal-El. That could be a whole wild thing. So maybe because Kal-El didn't have the Kents to raise him, not judging, you know, Jor-El and Lara, but would they have given him that sense of moral responsibility? Does Krypton have that sense of moral responsibility? So could you imagine when he goes to Krogar and he sees this whole fascist planet, he might kind of be like, that's very efficient. Mm, I like it. Right. So if, you know, if we're talking about a Kal-El from Krypton getting the Green Lantern ring, and Sinestro coming along, I think he trains him and makes him his sick little, you know, teen lantern sidekick guy. If we're talking about a full-powered Superman on the planet Earth and he gets a Green Lantern ring, Sinestro's going to use the ring a lot better. I mean, Superman could definitely fight his way through constructs and things like that. Um, I still think he would beat Sinestro, but the Green Lantern ring won't have any play over that. So I, I'm with you on that whole, your your whole rant right there. I think... Uh, Sinestro definitely wins with the more experience, the more uh, uh, being able to use the ring to the, its most proper ability. Um, we've seen in the past when Superman goes up against lanterns that use constructs, he's able to use his will to bust through them. True. Like yeah. Superman is strong enough and he has the will to, to wield a, a, a ring. I'll give you that. The only thing is Superman from Earth is filled with fear. I don't think, I think he has, he's not, a ring wouldn't come to him because he was never able to, like, overcome great fear. True. I think, and I'm not saying that he's afraid to fight anything. I think he's more afraid to just let loose. Oh, yeah. He's living in check of his power. Yeah, exactly. He's always in fear of of going over. So that's why I don't think a Green Lantern ring would ever come to him. Now, in uh, Injustice, a yellow ring obviously comes to him because... He causes great fear. Oh yeah! Everybody is afraid of Superman. Uh, Superman regime. Yeah, with his power unchecked, totally. He is fear inspiring. So, uh, great question, Daniel. And I think we, I hope that we answered it. Sinestro definitely wins. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be out there. And again, to explore your question in a in a fully comic book written sense, again, I would plug Injustice Year Two because you know um, if you know your Sinestro origin stories. You can very much see the parallels of Superman in the Injustice world and, you know, how him and Sinestro would totally make a great team. So, yeah, awesome question. Good stuff to chew on there. Now, uh, Aaron, also from our Facebook, uh, and also one of our hosts from another... <laughs> it's an inside job, I swear. <laughs> radio network podcast, um, Standard Definition, asked two questions. The first question is, uh, in terms of looks... Abilities and overall badassness. 
Who do you prefer, Spider Gwen or Silk or Silk? I'm sorry, I was gonna say Silk Spider, but it's just Silk. <laughs> just Silk. You know, I uh, I unfortunately <coughs> both both uh, creations came after I stopped reading Spider Man books, so I don't. I'd have to defer to you on this one. Hmm. I mean, uh, ju- if you're just going <laughs> off of looks, because I've seen them both, I like Silk's costume better. Honestly, I think Silk is the better character, hands down. Um, like Spider Gwen, okay, to give you and the listeners a backstory if they need it. Uh, Spider Gwen is an imagine if idea. Well, I'm sorry for that company. What if? <laughs> what, if? what if scenario <laughs> where it was Gwen who was bitten by the spider? Uh, Peter Parker in that story world is just horrible. You're he, he kind of deserved to die. <laughs> sorry, so but so, he's he's horrible. Oh, go ahead. I'll just say so in this. I understand that they brought in. Spider Gwen when uh, the worlds were convert or merging, right or whatever. Yeah, they did. They they played with the the storyline would be called Spider Verse, and so yeah, all the dimensions are kind of like they're 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 intersecting, and it's basically trying to find like the best iteration of Spider-Man to lead an army of Spider-Man against this great evil, which was Moreland, which I think you probably read that when you were, you, you read the JMS Spider-Man. Right, right, yes. So Moreland was one of the first characters, and that was the one where Peter Parker had to inject himself with radioactivity. Right. Moreland fed off of him, but then he was like, oh my God, this is tainted meat, uh-huh. and then died. Well, that was, you know, somehow Moreland came back, or who knows, through the whole Mephesto twist that that story did or didn't happen. So they brought Moreland back, and he was responsible for this whole reason why we have had to have all the spider people. Because it wasn't, you know, Spider-Ham was there, Spider-Gwen was there. Right, we Every, had Spider-2099, you know, yeah. the British Morales, Spider-Man British was there, Spider-Man. all of them. So all these different versions were there. And, you so, know, oh, go ahead. So in Spider-Gwen's universe, uh, so that's where she came from, that she popped from that story, and I guess she was a good enough character they decided to go ahead and keep, keep give her her own book or whatever. Yeah, oh, her, she got like a... She had a, a guest stint in, I think it was Spider-Verse Team-Up or something. It did fantastic, so they decided to do a little mini-series, and it's done great. And, you know, it's it's got its own series. It survived after Secret Wars. And, you know, for such a brand-new character, she's already got, like, three issue number ones, you know? So she's doing <laughs> so really good. After, so in her world, the Spider-Gwen world, and I assume she isn't called Spider-Gwen. She's, no, she's Spider-Girl. If I, I Spider-Woman? Yeah, Spider-Woman. Spider-Woman. She's Spider-Woman. Sense. Okay. Everything that happened to Peter Parker in our world happened to her. So, Pretty like, much, yeah. And, and everything that happened to her in our world happened to Peter Parker? Yeah, because he's the, he's the dead one there. So Green Goblin killed him? Yeah, if I remember correctly. Next I haven't map? read all of the, the whole issues, so I don't want to you know misquote something there. I'm not 100% sure how the death happened, but I'm pretty sure it was... Yeah, because if I remember correctly, I think they made it a big point to be like, oh, here's the big issue where Spider-Gwen and Norman fight. And it's like, oh, for us as fans, that's exciting because what would she do? And I think the crux of that was he's responsible for Peter's death. But I'm not 100% sure how or the the circumstance, but I believe that's what happened. Okay. So I'll have to check my back issues on that one. But uh, just to answer Aaron's question, it's... Well, for me, in a personal opinion, I think Silk. I think she's a better... She's a better character. Uh, the premise is when Peter Parker was bit by the spider, you know, the spider also bit another person and he bit Silk. And if I remember correctly, I think she's also Asian American. So it's neat how, you know, okay, hey, here's a minority character that is totally unique and original. Not like, hey, let's take Booster Gold and put somebody else in the suit. No, Booster Gold, we like the story of Michael Carter, if you know who that is. You know, <laughs> so we like that stuff. You know, when, when we lose Ted Cord, well, that's kind of taken away Blue Beetle. Not to take anything from Jamie Reyes, but 
Ted Cord was why we fell in love with that character. So I think Silk is a way better character. You know, Gwen Stacy, uh, I think her death is what made her. Right. Before that, she was just kind of, you know, the love interest in a comic book. But that death was classic. You never had that happen before. So that's what made her character huge. Silk, you know, yes, she's inserted, you know, like, oh, here's somebody who's been around just as long as Spider-Man. But she's a very unique character. Uh, her power set is neat. Plus, I like the idea that whenever her and Peter are near each other, because they come from the same spider, which is it's almost a little incestuous, but they have this strong drawing to each other. Mm. You know, to the point where they could just be talking next to you. you know, it's like we're hands on each other. But I just think she's a way better character. Uh, her book reads a lot better. Spider Gwen feels like it's aimed at, you know, some 12, 13 year old girl who's into rock and roll, while Silk is aimed at anybody who likes comic books. Doesn't matter your gender or anything. Right. Better creative team, better costume, better character, better origin. Better all around. So if you had to put him in a fight, just because we always love to see our superheroes do stuff <laughs> like that, I think Silk has a better mastery of her powers because she went toe-to-toe with Pete. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I would, I'd go, I would go Silk. So I, I find that also funny that Silk has her powers from the spider that bit Spider-Man, or Peter, to make him Spider-Man because there was also... That other oh, story. Oh, yeah, the untold tales of, or the uh, tangled web of Spider-Man. That's right, where yes. the same spider, after biting <laughs> Spider-Man, uh, in its death thrall, bit another guy who kind of turned into spiders. Oh, no, no, no. Even better. No, no. This guy was a bully of Peter Parker's. Right. So this is Not untold. Flash. Yeah, this is an untold tales of, uh, there was an anthology series called uh, The Tangled Web of Spider-Man. So it was kind of like Legends of the Dark Knight. So it's these little stories that happen. And, you know, we can go back and forth at any time period we want. So there's, a, there's this bully. And exactly, he's not Flash Thompson. He's another bully. And he witnesses it. He's standing there at that science convention. And he sees Peter Parker grab the spider or grab his hand in pain. And he's like, ah, I've been bitten. By the way, I'm glad there's not a video camera here because you can totally see me <laughs> pantomime. Like, I'm looking at Mitch just like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? <laughs> so he, he gets bit. And in a weird twist, because who 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 doesn't think this? The kid eats the spider. That's right. <laughs> he eats it. He's like, oh, that radioactive spider just bit some kid I bully. Let me eat it. So he eats the spider. And yeah, in a weird twist, he can like manifest himself into like a thousand spiders. So he kind of comes, think Hydra Man, but spiders instead of water. Yeah, the spiders man, you know. <laughs> so he, he, he breaks apart in these little spiders, and then eventually he comes back together. And he's got this, like, woman suit. So he seduces Peter Parker, and then they're about to make out. And then all of a sudden, it's like, surprise! And rips open the skin, and out comes, like, all these little spiders. Yeah. Gross story. Really but weird. But it's just twisted and weird. So I guess you could say after... Uh, Brand new day, maybe the whole Mephesto thing that didn't happen anymore. <laughs> I would hope so. If we <laughs> it, have to lose stories, I hope we lose. Instead, that one. <laughs> it went and, it went and bit Silk. <laughs> yeah, so it's it, it bit Pete, it bit Silk, got eaten by some kid, and <laughs> you know it's also responsible for the uh, death of Aunt May. I don't know. <laughs> uh, last question from Aaron is that uh, who would win in a fight between Invincible? And Luke Cage. Now, Invincible is an image character, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you have background on what his powers are? You know, I'm not fully 100% sure about Invincible. I, I would say he's definitely, he's a super-powered kid. I think he might be an alien-human hybrid. 
Right, I believe his father is an alien. Yeah, or is I think his mother his father, is an alien. I think it's his father because his father is Omni Man, if I remember correctly, okay. and he's the one who's always trying to have like this. He looks like an evil Superman with a mustache, and he's always trying to like take over Earth or punish his son, <laughs> which is kind of the same thing. And um, <laughs> he he. So, anyways, so yeah, they've got incredible superpowers, flight, and all these things, um, and then. Power Man is Luke Cage, so if you started watching Jessica Jones, I think he was on that, right? He was, yeah. You got to see that. And so the, 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 the idea behind Luke Cage was he was in a prison, and they came and they wanted to do experiments on minorities to be like, hey, we want to see if we can get these powers. So they tested him, and it worked, and he's got this steel-hard skin. He's impenetrable, and so he decides to, you know, heck with this, you know, I'm going to become a hero for hire. So he uses his powers to, you know, help out people on the streets and whatnot. So, I mean, so then we have a, basically a Superman-esque character, a teenage Superman-esque character, versus a uh, diamond-hard skin, somewhat strong guy yeah, with unbreakable bones, basically. I mean, power set-wise, I would say probably Invincible wins. He, he's, got, he's got more strength, he can fly, he's got, you know, other powers, whereas Luke Cage literally is only invulnerable, has a little bit of amped-up strength. But, as we've come to see, you know, um, in lots of superhero team-up fights, the guy with the more experience can True. Can, can usually uh, outwit the person with the stronger powers. True. Um, exactly. And that's what, I'm, that's what my brain's thinking. I'm trying to think, like, okay, who's got the more experience? Now, yes, Luke Cage in periodicals is older. You know, right. he came out in the 70s versus Invincible, you know, late Plus, they're 2000s. two different uh, comic book companies, so it's hard to... <laughs> Hard to judge who's the the character that's been around the longest. Yeah, so I mean, I would say honestly, if it's me, I think I think Invincible gets it again. The flight set because I think about there was um, a new Avengers story where Luke Cage got knocked out. No, actually, it was Secret War, the right. Marvel Secret War, where something happened and they couldn't operate on Luke Cage because of his. His diamond hard skin, his rock hard skin. That's how Secret and, War starts off. Yeah, and then, and then they were like panicking. It's like, oh my god, what do we do? So I'm thinking to myself, if Invincible, and if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure I've seen him fly in space under his own ability. He's probably able to take some pretty damaging blows. I'm pretty sure, you know, I mean, hell, even just the idea of him flying above Luke Cage and be like, can't touch me, can't touch me. <laughs> you know, right there, he could, you know, he would wear Luke out. So, I mean, I, I love Luke Cage. I think he's a great character. But I think this one goes to Invincible. Yeah, I would have to say the same. Um, last question that we got on our Facebook is uh, John Camarena. Camarena. He wants to know uh, basically what it boils down to who uh, or what what is it the um, what how would Peter Parker or Spider Man be uh, post Civil War if or no? Okay, wait. Let me read this again. How different would Spider-Man be now if his story wasn't retconned after Civil War, as in brand new or one last day, brand new day never happened? Right. So in uh, let's say one last day, uh, a series of events comes to the point where Aunt May is shot. Right. Peter Parker's identity was exposed during Civil War. Uh, the Kingpin hired somebody to go and try to. I think kill Peter, but just by accident wound up shooting Aunt May. So actually, I think that was the real target was Aunt May. Oh, if I remember I, correctly, it's been a while, so I, mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt it. But yeah, he basically does it. So Spider Man just goes hardcore angry, 
gets Aunt May to a hospital, wants the finest care. Tony, out of guilt, pays the bills. Uh, Peter then goes and tracks the gunman all the way to, you know, prison where Wilson Fisk is. And he's like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to let you rot here. But if anything happens to her, I will just... You don't even want to think about. And this is also uh, Spider-Man that's also gone through the other at this point, right? True. Yeah, he had his weird little uh, bone arms that right, extended. Right, because he's so, yeah. using that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so Aunt May is dying, and you know, even though we have <laughs> right, yes. so many different uh, superheroes, and at this point, it's Peter Parker, Aunt May, and Mary Jane are all living in. Avengers Tower uh, with Tony, and there's all kinds of technology there. And there's no Marvel embargo, so the Fantastic Four and X-Men are allowed to be used. <laughs> yes. None of them, and they even have that, they have those panels. Doctor Strange comes, he can't do anything. Reed Richards right. comes, he can't do anything. Hank Pym, uh, Tony Stark, all these people with all these powers, magic, technology, whatever, just healing can't. ability. You could just go up to Angel from... Yeah. Can we uh, get a blood transfusion? Yeah. Because they have set that up in in this world at this point, yep. but they couldn't do that. And Aunt May is dying from this bullet bullet wound, a gunshot wound. It's not like it was a, like it's not like Thanos came and like gave her an atomic wedgie. It's just a gunshot wound. <laughs> or Galactus came and sucked out her life force or anything. Yeah, no, know? it's straight up gunshot wound. People oh. are saved from gunshot wounds every day. But uh, the best thing that they, he can come up with is to make a deal with Mephisto. Basically, Marvel Universe's devil. Yep, and I love this. So the devil comes to you and says, "Look, look, I will help you. I will, I will save your Aunt May. And as a bonus, I'll make everybody forget that, that your you... Peter Parker and Spider Man are one and the same." He didn't erase the footage. The footage is still out there, but people just don't remember it. They just, like, yeah, it's they not like, remember they saw something yeah, on like, the oh, news. Remember the time Spider Man exposes identity? I can't remember who that kid was, and I've never heard of YouTube, so, so I'm not going to bother checking this right. out. You know. Um, basically, Mephisto put a, a chameleon coil, if anybody watches Doctor Who out there, on every video of everything of Spider-Man unmasking himself. Yeah. Apparently, if you go on YouTube and you try to watch it, the ads are too long. You can't click <laughs> skip ad. <laughs> so you get frustrated and leave the website. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, basically, you uh, he, he goes... And Mephesto says all these things. But I think one thing, if I remember the story correctly, I think one thing that a lot of people forget is that Spider-Man never makes the decision. It's Mary Jane who makes the decision. Yeah, she more or less threw it out there. Um, because there was, like, for, like, a year, there, the, in the panel, in, in uh, one more day, she whispers something into Mephesto's ear. And we don't know what it is, and this is the big mystery. And it took, like, a year, year and a half. Oh, well, wait, before we go on, we forgot to say what it was that he, he made the deal oh, for. Oh, okay, well, so, I will let your Aunt May live as long as you give me your love. Your love. Not, not your soul, not Mary Jane's soul, not the soul of your firstborn, unborn child, whatever. Not but, even a lock of hair. Just your, your love. love. So, you know, the idea is that the love between Mary Jane and Peter Parker is so strong, and it's, it's such a bond that it... Is, is more enticing than someone's soul. Well, you know, Mitch, all you need is love. All you need is love. Yeah. All right, you got me to sing. That's, <laughs> that's one point for you. Points. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Mephesto's deal. And Peter Parker says no. He, he says no at first. Yeah, he's not really into this. He he's knows there's another way. There's always another way. But Mary Jane is just so downtrodden and beat and tired of it that it's like, yeah, let's go for it. And so she she whispered something in Mephesto's ear. Yeah, she whispered so I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I think she told him the the secret formula to kryptonite or something. And, <laughs> and 
This whole time it's been in the Marvel U. Um, so she does something, and then so bam, deal happens, and the wedding day never happens. And you, the next issue of uh, Brand New Day, you, Peter Parker wakes up in his shitty apartment with a terrible roommate and a hangover and a hangover for the first time. <laughs> yeah, and he was just making out with some random chick at a party. That's he right. Know because hey, we got our swinging Peter back. You know, because <laughs> the go, ultimate nerd, <laughs> yeah, the ultimate nerd is going to land chicks at anywhere he goes. Right. All right. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> so, so uh, basically, how would he? What was the question again? <laughs> well, how would Spider-Man be different from that? Oh, well, uh, if he, that never happened. Yeah, if that never happened. So here's actually Marvel has kind of answered that question uh, due to their big universe storyline secret wars which is currently going on and on and on and on <laughs> and i don't say that in a good way um they had a bunch of little worlds that existed and on one of these little worlds there is spider-man renew your vows and in that one it is basically exactly what you're asking for what would spider-man be like if this never happened it does have a couple little tweaks from what we've seen um there's a whole MC2 universe that was built on the premise that Pete and Mary Jane had a baby and that, that baby girl grew up to be May, Mayday Parker, the spider girl. Right. And that was a really great series. I recommend any MC2 comics you can go and find. They were great. Oh, MC2, dude. I loved the story. I mean, anything from A-Nex yep. to, uh, you know, Spider Girl. Uh, the Uncanny X people, the, un- the Dark Devil, Dark Yeah, and actually, what's funny for those of you that watched Ant Man, Hope Pym, that Hope is Pym. her only existence was MC Two Comics because she was exactly that, the daughter of Hank and Jan. Never has she been in the normal Marvel U, <laughs> only MC Two. So, so much different a, character though too in the MC. Oh yeah, or she MC2. was a she was a villainous. Yes, she was a horrible, horrible person. Which Stinger? we might see some of those scenes because they did have some angry moments with, right. with Hope. So maybe maybe she's not all that she's cracked up to be. Um, but so anyways, yeah, they did the Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. It's a five-issue miniseries. It was pretty good. Um, the daughter they have there, though, is not May. She's got some other name. Um, kind of kind of annoying, you know, but it was interesting. Um, there's a neat little twist. Well, May actually happened in the 616, right? She was kidnapped by Kane. She and, was. Um, and yeah, she Norman was, Osborn well, killed her. Well, what happened was, so the premise was, and this was during the Revelations story arc, and it's the first Revelations, not the second Revelations story. Right. Um, the first Revelations dealt with Peter Parker coming back to be Spider-Man because it turns out that Ben Riley never was the original Peter Parker. And the second Revelations was when Aunt May finds out Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So in the first Revelations, um, uh, Aunt Anna and Mary Jane are out having lunch. And then all of a sudden, after her lunch, she's like, oh my God, I'm going to give birth. It's happening. And you see that that waitress is now at the hospital. And you're like, wait a minute. How does a waitress become a nurse in two panels? Mm. You know, even though it is John Romita Jr. art. <laughs> so everybody's got a block face. <laughs> everybody's got a block face. Um, but this woman, she basically steals the baby. Now, the whole trick of that story is you don't hear any crying. And you don't see the baby move. So was it a stillborn? And they just said, here's a fetus. You're welcome, Norman Osborn, you creepy bastard. Right. Or... Was the baby asleep? Who knows? Right. So, yes, it is played off that uh, Norman Osborn has it. Now, the what if story is where Norman had it. Uh, Peter Parker found out, beats the hell out of Norman, gets got the baby her, back, and back, raises right. her to be May Mayday. Um, and Kane, and no, Kane, realizing that he was 
uh, in the wrong and doing this is kind of is kind of her guardian, like yeah, he, for the he very long over time, yeah. And kind of tries to redeem himself for his screw up. And yeah. those who don't know, Kane is a imperfect clone of of Peter. When we were having clones of oh, Peter God. Parker everywhere, <laughs> yeah, he, Bizarro Superman number one. <laughs> so sorry to get you off track, but that may be the reason why in that renew your vow story they named the daughter something else because the first daughter was already named may and they and it died yeah maybe yeah, that's a good point that's a that's a that's a good save for writers who didn't pay attention <laughs> and editors who don't even read the books they <laughs> i like it um yeah so they, they they played it off that they kept peter more of a family man and so he's doing the family and he's got you know his job as a photographer still and he's you know spider-man at night and of course you know the the little daughter's in love with it you know her dad is spider-man how awesome is that so i mean not that i i'm a 100 percent fan of how one more day brand new day happened i just think there were better ways to make it happen the fallout is pretty cool i mean in defense of brand new day peter parker finally exists you know he's not just the mopey voice of spider-man peter parker has you know, gone out there and started working in the science community a lot more. That's um, true. He got the job at yeah, uh, you know, New Horizons. Did. Yeah, uh, New or Horizons, Horizons Lab or something like that. Some Horizons. Yeah, he got the job there. And, you know, he even got lucky with Dr. Octopus, you know, taking over. The Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, the Superior Spider-Man because then that resulted in Dr. Peter Parker. Now he has a doctor credential. But see, I feel like if Brand New Day, yeah, Brand New Day never happened, he, he would still be living in the tower with Tony. I mean... Could you imagine the kind of things that Tony Stark and Peter Parker could have came up together with? Well, they could, but see, you got to remember, though, the fallout from Civil War. I mean, how does Pete feel basically knowing that? Yeah, you know. Uh, superheroes tend to get over those kind of things when, they, when they're when they with each other. They do, but I mean, they, they, like I, I agree. You know, it would take I mean, a that, whole it, it, six months and then Norman <laughs> Osborn, you know. I mean, it, it could have been, like, I mean, gosh... Wow, that, that's opening up a whole floodgate in my mind. But could you imagine? Yeah, okay, let's say Brand New Day never happened to Spider-Man. So then during Tony now as the top cop, Spider-Man gets over it, kind of goes back into Tony's camp. And when all the crap hits the fan and Stark loses, Norman rising to the top, maybe Pete could have had more insights and better help. Yeah. Instead of kind of just being on the sidelines, being all pouty that Norman Osborn's in charge, you know, something like that. <laughs> well, I mean, he, obviously, yeah, he would have had more backing if people would have known who he was, as in the other superheroes. Because that was a big part of it, that even other superheroes didn't know that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Yeah, the Fantastic well, Four, which those two have been together since Peanut Butter and Jelly. Yeah, the Fantastic Four didn't know who Spider-Man was. They actually made it a special issue where he came over and... He had masks, and then they're kind of like, oh, that's right. We forgot about that. Yeah. So, I mean, if he would have had people in his corner during uh, Norman Osborn's dark reign, it would have been, I think the story would have been a lot different. True. I, there, there are some neat touchstones that could have been played with. Um, so, all, basically, what we're, I'm saying is that uh, Brand New Day was a big mistake. They never should have done it. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I think we've had some really good Peter Parker growth moments because, you know, Peter Parker, I, I'm glad, like, yes, the start of Brand New Day was, like, from Brand New Day till American Son, Peter was a loser. Uh, and then eventually, once he got that Valley Horizons job and he started working more in the scientific community, that was cool. Now, a better writer could have come in and said, okay, you know what, he could have had the family and then gotten those jobs anyways. Or, hey, you know, Tony could have said, look, I understand we're not buddies, 
let me get you a job at one of these other scientific communities. Your brain shouldn't stay stagnant. And that could have been awesome. And we could still have the best of those two worlds. Um, so, I mean, ultimately, I, I think, uh, I guess it's just one of those things, like, as much as I grew up reading Spider-Man and, you know, always wanting a girl like Mary Jane, I do feel that, and this is hard to say, but she is selfish, you know, because right now, even in the current comics, you know, she's left uh, Spider-Man and she's off with Tony Stark right now. She's going to be in the Iron Man books. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's major. And it's like, well, how's she going to be in these books as uh, somebody who's like working PR for Tony Stark or is she working Tony Stark, you know? So very, very good. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question in short, there's a, a comic book series, Renew Your Vows, and that kind of plays with the idea. Trade paperback edition is out. You could definitely pick that one up if you want. Um, as for what Pete would have done, I think he kind of would have gotten held back. So I guess this is where Mitch and I have this reached is, a split. This where it's is like, true. This is where we've met, we've, we've, uh, we, we differ. Uh, but thank you, John, for the question, and I hope we answered it for the best that we could. <coughs> now to get on to uh, the crux of our show, the, yep, the our, reason we're here. The, the challenge. <laughs> the challenge is thrown down. Uh, so, Franny, you came up with the idea for Rock of Ages. JLA Story uh, by Grant. No, was it Grant? Yep, it JLA Grant. Story okay. by Grant Morrison. Rock of Ages. Um, that was one of their big. Do you remember the issue numbers? Uh, issues 10 through 15 of the JLA book. Not okay. Justice League, not Justice League of America. JLA, JLA issues 10 through 15. So in the storyline, and I have the little synopsis uh, from Wikipedia about it, it says, In one of the most epic arcs of Morrison's JLA, the Justice League come face-to-face with the new Injustice Gang, Wonder World, and even Darkseid himself. Time travel, the JLA of the future, and the Philosopher's Stones clash in one epic battle of cosmic proportions. Now, before we get into our our uh, our our own cast, basically the idea is to cast it in the in the Marvel U or yeah the Marvel U yes. of existing of around the same time the characters that would have been in the 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 Avengers. Right. Yeah. So we want to take that storyline, and we both agreed last time that we would put it into a time of publications. And if I remember correctly, Marvel was publishing Avengers Volume Two, Issue Twelve, which was part of their big Heroes Reborn. Right. After the onslaught story and the uh, Heroes Reborn, uh, they came back to Heroes Return. Yes. So. So right now we're in an alternate world where we have um, the Avengers, Fantastic Four. They are kind of brand new. Wait, I thought this was this was already Heroes Return. No, no, no. This was Heroes. Oh well, I wrote it. I wrote mine up as Heroes <laughs> Return. So, <laughs> no, we were we were you're about to get there. You still got issue twelve and then three, and then there will be the Heroes Return four issue that'll lead to. Oh uh, well, my bad. Oh, no so, problem. Not a problem. Uh, but one thing I want to say is about Grant Morrison stories. Now, if you read just just okay. And I've said this before, <laughs> JLA book, the JLA book by Grant Morrison is the book that got me into comic books. It, I picked up, I picked up the first issue of Rock of Ages right there at the, the comic book stand inside of Fry's grocery store. And I was like, what? This is so cool. You have all these uh, characters right here and it, it looks amazing. So I uh, picked it up and I started reading and that was, that was, that was where I started. Now we have... We have Justice League, um, Grant Morrison. Grant Morrison writes his stories to the point where a lot of the things happen off panel. Like, you don't really see it. It's, it's all kind of reactions to what had already happened. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely uh, Grant's Grant Morrison's style of writing is. I don't know. I don't know what drugs you're supposed to take when you read it, <laughs> um, because there's a lot of stuff that happens. Like for example, for the for the listeners, there's um, supposedly a, a Grant Morrison Superman trilogy in reverse. So in, in chronological order. During his JLA run, he did this story, and it, it went into the whole DC universe, and it was DC 1 million. And it was so cool. It was supposed to be 1 million months after the publication of Action Comics number 1. So it leads us into the 853rd century, and it's this big Superman story, and it involves Superman of now, or, well, you know, circa 1990s, meeting his future self. Right. And then that was part 1, which is supposed to be the end of the story. And then there's the middle part of the story, which is Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman. Oh. And so you can see that they tie in very minutely. And then the last part of that trilogy is when Grant Morrison took over Action Comics when they did the New 52 relaunch. So he did the origin. So it's a trilogy in reverse. So you're supposed to read the Action Comics stuff because that's the beginning of Superman. Then you read All-Star Superman because that's Superman at his peak. And then you read... The DC 1 million, which leads to how his career will end. Right. And it's it's wild, zany stuff. I have yet to sit down and read the full thing. Um, I think I need a chalkboard and, you know, all yeah. kinds of coffee. <laughs> you you definitely would. And a funny thing is, is that you see the, the beginnings or the hintings of DC 1 million in this storyline because we yes. get... Um, Our Man. We get the Our Man from 853rd century or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uh, he's kind of a time traveler. And he's he, uh, I don't think he's gone by Tyler yet. No, no. Because that happens when he, he shows up into our time. But yeah. uh, we he obviously, Grant Morrison was planting the seeds in this storyline. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Um, and he, like you said, yeah, it's true. A lot of it's off panel. Like that one, it's... Like you, you can't really just be like, oh, here's issue thirteen. Let me read this. It's you almost have to read his whole arc. And I think if I remember correctly, it was like forty one issues, you know, not counting spinoffs and tie ins. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. So yeah you'd have to read his yeah his whole thing. But it's when we say when I say that you have it's a lot of things are happening happening off panel. It's not like there was another book that you can go read. It's literally you were just catching up. <laughs> Inside of Grant Morrison's brain, he's, yeah. he's he forgot to give those notes to the artist to draw it. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, total segments that are that have come that have been put on the page, and you're just like, uh, I feel like I missed something, but I think I'm picking it up. So uh, if anybody goes to read these stories from the Rock of Ages, just keep that in mind. But it is a good story overall. Oh yeah, it's uh, the one thing that I really loved about that era was it, somebody. I think it was Wizard, the comics magazine, when they were big, and they said this book, the JLA book, it is like it's the summer blockbuster of comic books, and it's true. The stuff that was going on in that book was just insane. I mean, you know, I'm sure you had to reread it. I know I had to reread the story arc, and I mean, those panels with Dark Side, you know, they were just like, right. oh my god, this like it feels like the first time you saw the Terminator. You're like, wow, <laughs> that's gonna be awesome. So yeah, it, it it was a it was a big spectacle book. There's a lot of good comic book knowledge and insider stuff in there, but it was great for the spectacle. Just amazing stuff going on. So the book starts off with basically uh, the Justice League of that time fighting a shadow Justice League, but it's not sh- they call it the Shadow Justice League, but it's actually uh, hard light holograms of of the heroes, but doing villainous things. Right. So you had a, a, a dark Batman, a dark Superman, a dark Wonder Woman, a dark Flash, 
Dark Green Lantern? Yeah, well, he... Dark Martian Manhunter. So the the, the whole thing is when Grant Morrison relaunched the book, he brought the most powerful lineup back, the original Big Seven. So Superman, Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, and he put them all together. And so the premise was the Injustice Gang, or more like Lex Luthor, couldn't stand that there is, you know, there's already Superman in my town, and now there's the Justice League taking care of my planet i don't like this so he was so ticked off so he basically recruits their opposite numbers you know he gets the joker for batman ocean master for aquaman um cersei for wonder woman uh dr light for green lantern mirror master for flash and they didn't really have a big marsh manor villain so they just took another alien gem right which just guest starred i think in supergirl, in supergirl yeah so he did just you know, show up in supergirl he is a pretty important character but at the end of Rock of Ages, when they save Jem, because they're using him against his, his will, right? Martian Manhunter calls him friend. Yeah, well, they played with, and, and this led off into the Martian Manhunter book when he got his own solo series, that the, the, the Saturn aliens were kind of like offshoots of the Martians. Right. The, so, the, the history is, is that there's, on Mars, there's two, two races of, of, of aliens. There's the white, white Martians and the green Martians. Yep. And uh, the white Martians are kind of believed to be a lower class of people. Well, I thought, if I remember, I thought they were like the meaner ones. They were the ones they, that... They're more aggressive, but mm-hmm. they're supposed to be lower class. Mm, okay. So, uh, as an offshoot of the white gene, they made the sanitarians, the the, peop- the from aliens Saturn. from Saturn. So, then white Martians and sanitarians were living on Saturn, and uh, you have Jem, basically, is their, their last surviving uh, yeah, He's the last one of their kind. So, uh, he has... I, I believe he just has a... Uh, mental abilities i don't think, I think he has like all the same powers as martian man yeah, i think he just had the telepathy he didn't get the whole package deal of right. shape-shifting and all that so i mean he is throughout <laughs> most of the comic book history from what i've read is that he's usually an enemy of martian manhunter but martian manhunter calls him friend of this i think it's more of the martian manhunter knowing that he's kind of just yeah, lashing out he's he's lashing out because he's he's alone yeah you're in the same boat as me gotcha. right exactly so uh so then, yeah, you said you said we had Lex Luthor, Joker, Cersei, Doctor Light, Gem, Martian or Ocean Master, Mirror Master. Yep. Yeah. So they were supposed to be a, an exact mirror copy of evil for the the, the Big Seven JLA. Right. Um. So yeah, after that, um, they, they 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 their first attack is they have these hard light holograms. So they basically look like our Big Seven JLA, and they just go into a town and just destroy, hurt, kill. But there were people missing. From the jail now, when the J- actual JLA goes up against these hard light ones, you have certain people that were in the hard light, but that weren't in the JLA. Oh, true. Like you have, well, Wonder Woman was dead at the time. Okay, so Wonder Woman was dead. Uh, Green Arrow was on the team. Green Arrow, and this is Connor Hawk. Green Arrow, yeah. the son of Oliver Queen. Yeah, which hasn't been mentioned in a long time. Um, let's see. I usually do a nice little roll call page. We had, okay, so our roster for the JLA, so Superman, Batman, uh, Wonder Woman was dead, Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, Aquaman, Hook at the time, Flash, Wally West, Martian Manhunter, Green Arrow, the son of, uh, Connor Hawk, the son of Oliver Queen, Oliver Queen and then Aztec. Aztec was the other one yeah, that was there. Yeah, he was kind of, a, he was a new, a very modern hero for the time, and uh, there's a shocking twist in the story in that the you story, about yes. his origins. But uh, so then the shadow or the the hard light hologram team consisted of Aquaman, Superman, Energy Superman, uh, Batman, 
Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, Flash, and Wonder Woman. So obviously, from our role, we didn't have a Batman in there, right? From no, the they jailer? did. They, they did. They, they, Bruce Wayne was there. Batman was there. Oh, okay. he was. He was definitely. So the I, only thing that was different was Connor Hawk and Aztec and Wonder Woman as woman being dead. Uh, so it looks like they took a character out and then put two characters in. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, there, that's where you're at right there. Basically, so within, in our um, idea is at one point uh, half the team of the JLA goes into the future. And you see characters there. Uh, they're dealing with the fact that... Uh, in the storyline, there's a device called the Philosopher's Stone. Eventually, you get to you learn that it's the Warlog, and it is a very powerful device. Darkseid gets its hands on it, and he is taking over Earth, destroying most of everything. And the last of the the JLA heroes have to defeat him, while right. also in in the past stopping themselves from destroying. The philosopher's yeah, it's stone. the ultimate like the the present team. In order to win, they def- they destroy the philosopher's stone. But as soon as that happened, it sets off a chain of events that will lead to a horrible version of Earth run by Darkseid. <coughs> so half the team that gets sent to the future find out that they need to go back to the past so that they can stop themselves from exactly destroying the philosopher's stone. And that's Grant Morrison in a cup. Yeah. So uh, and this is all in the span of six issues. Six issues, <laughs> huge issues. So. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of reading if you go back and read these books. Oof, so our, our our task was to recast the Injustice Gang, not the JLA, but the Injustice Gang, but then also the JLA members of the future. Right. So why don't you go ahead and give me your Injustice Gang? Okay, well, uh, with this one, now, I didn't get to research the, uh, the Heroes Reborn universe as much, so I wasn't sure what villains were readily accessible. So I actually wound up making my Injustice League smaller in number, but more powerful. So I was for sure that there was a Loki in the Marvel Heroes Reborn universe and a Doctor Doom. So I kind of had Doom play the part of, you know, Lex Luthor, where it's kind of like, I don't like these super beings all together in one place. So Doom is kind of the head of the team. And, of course, he's going to recruit Loki because Loki just hates the Avengers. Right. You know, so then they go back and it's like, well, I remember Captain America fought the Red Skull. So they get the Red Skull on their team. And then to finish it off, I figured, you know, Mandarin would be a great stand-in character there. So that's going to be my team. And I like it because, again, they're, I mean, you've got technology and mysticism at its finest. And it's all represented. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's it's going to, like, even though, like, I mean, you've got the big three of the Avengers plus Doom. And, you know, those are main Marvel Universe characters. So their weight alone is going to be a hell of an op- unstoppable team. So since it's the Marvel U, those are my masters of evil. Okay. Uh, so, I, I mean, I guess I went a little different. Like, we usually do. The way, <laughs> it's funny how we, in, we take these challenges and we both interpret them two different ways. Now, I did, obviously, I misread the timeline some, and I put Heroes Return era, but uh, I, instead of coming up with the enemies of the versions of the heroes that would be in the other world, I put in basically what I figured would be mirror images of the villains from this Injustice gang. So my Lex Luthor is Baron Zemo. Ooh, nice, okay. Now, I feel that, you know, he would have been able to uh, get... If you read the stories, uh, Lex Luthor has a plan. I mean, which is normal. Lex Luthor usually has a plan. He's good at that. But he's gotten these villains together, 
but he still has yet another plan behind that one oh, that yeah. he isn't telling anybody else. Yeah, he's they're his henchmen. They're his team, but they're his henchmen. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I got Baron Zemo. I think he's... Uh, he's a good manipulator. Exactly. He's a great manipulator. Uh, to take over Cersei, I got Enchantress. Nice. Uh, to take over Dr. Light, I put in the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for Jim, I thought was kind of interesting, I put in the Puppet Master. Because Jim was using his power, against his will, to uh, you know help create these uh, hard, hard lights. Light. Uh, yeah, the hard light. Uh, what's it called? Well, they're hard light. Hard clones. light holograms. Thank oh, you, yeah, clones. Hologram, yeah. Hologram, yeah. Uh, so between Mandarin having a the ability to change reality a little bit, and the puppet master having the way to sculpt. Yeah, the clay. Uh, the yeah, sculpt the the heroes. I like that. to fight against the, the two of them would have worked together like Doctor Light and Gem did. Uh, Ocean Master was Loki. I like it. So uh, there you have that, and then. Mirror Master, since Mirror Master ends up being turning on Luther and his uh, team because Bruce Wayne can pay more than <laughs> than, than and who's the one that gets bought? I yeah, like he is the one that gets bought. So Victor Creed, Sabretooth. I think he would. Ooh. I think he would have followed Baron Zemo to a point. He would have been like, "Yeah, I'll I'll do what you say with you know I'll pay you pay me and stuff like that." But then uh, you know whoever else, Tony Stark would have been like, "Well." Here's this money. Wow, he's such a he's such a wild card. <laughs> he is a wild he's... card, dude. That is the point. I think is that he's so wild that he he could take your money and then turn right around and Slash cut you up. Yeah. yeah. So I, I like the idea of bringing in this mutant that would uh, could go either way. Wow, I like that. All right, that's, that's but, an interesting play. My wild, my other wild card, which Joker is the wild card in, in the in the story itself, mm-hmm. is Arcade. So he's going to be a member of this team also. Right. Arcade is taking the okay. place of Joker. Okay. I like that. That's, that'll be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that would have been a, a very interesting uh, grouping of characters, you know, that you probably wouldn't see anywhere else. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, well, I mean, like, especially with Arcade and Sabretooth being mixed into that. Because, like, you know, most, most people be like, well, this is an Avengers story. We'll stay in the blurred lines. Right. Because, like, for me, like, I was kind of even toying with it. Because, like, I, I, I ultimately would have been like, oh, you know, Red Skull, Mandarin, Loki, you know, and, and uh, Ultron, and, you know, pick the mirror images of their classic versions. Right. But the Heroes Were Born, or Return World was so new, but that's why I thought Doctor Doom would be neat. Right. You know? No, And even then, he's going to be, like, he's the Lex Luthor of the group. But who's the person who's ultimately going to sell him out? Well, that's where Red Skull comes into this. Because even though Red Skull and Doom are these masterminds, they also, you know, like that's going to be like a, a Jew and a German, you know. So Doom is going to look at, you know, our Red Skull is going to look at Doom. He's going to be like, you're this Latvian trash. Right. I'll use you for your magics and technology. But in the end, I'm going to try to, you know, betray you to get something more. Right. So that's where that's kind of like it, it wasn't the, the money is more of a different backer. Right. You know, but that's ultimately but same, where that twist would come same in. Twist, yeah. Where it's like, hey, your goals no longer meet mine. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> I get I get it. Uh, okay, so then my future JLA characters, or I guess it'd be future Avenger characters mm-hmm. at this point. So we had Aquaman, The Flash, Green Lantern, Metron, and Darkseid. These are all the characters that involve that future storyline. Right, right. So uh, Aquaman, The Flash, and Green Lantern are all sent into the future. 
and then they are put into the bodies of their future selves. Right, their older selves. Uh, which was funny because Aquaman is older, but he yep. looks the same. I mean, he doesn't look the same, but he looks older. Yeah, he just, you could see he's definitely aged. And uh, the Flash is put on a whole bunch of weight. Oh, God, he it looks, sounds like he lost touch with the Speed Force. And right. Now he's just some kind of worker drone. He doesn't have powers anymore. He's a horrible version of himself. And Kyle Rayner is... A foot not, soldier. Well, he's not there. He's a parademon. Yeah, he just got taken over and he's turned into this foot soldier. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, yeah. He, he Actually, he got the worst deal of all. he was pissed about it, too. Oh, yeah. He just keeps well, talking about it. to go from somebody who had such free will imagination to, you're a parademon. Yeah, you have, you're part of like a hive mind almost. You just die for Doom yeah. or uh, for Darkseid, yeah. So, uh, my Aquaman is, 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 is Hawkeye. <laughs> which we obviously you know we see in many avenger stories he gets to be the old man you he usually ends up being blind yeah. <laughs> but he, he does get to live um the flash is she hulk okay. because i think it would be uh to the point I and mean, she doesn't obviously doesn't have speed but she has kind of the same thing that if she loses that part of her She's almost lost her whole identity. Yeah, she doesn't really exist outside of... Of being She-Hulk. So mm-hmm. I to, like that. To not be that, and then... And Jennifer Walters, she could lose Jennifer Walters and it would be happier. Right, exactly. She-Hulk, yikes. Yeah, because she became something after she became She-Hulk. Even though Jennifer Walters was already an established lawyer, lawyer and yeah. stuff like that, she became more in her own mind. Yeah, I like it, that. And uh, Green Lantern would be Vision okay. to, to become part of the whole... Right. You know, so it, it would it would be an interesting part of his storyline. Now, Metron in the story is uh, you've known him in the in the present as kind of kind of being the observer between Apocalypse and the New Gods or New Genesis, I should yeah. say, right? Yeah, yeah. So Darkseid and Highfather are always fi- fighting, where Metron's kind of just observing what's going to happen. He'll, he'll mix, he'll stir the the shit every now and then, right? Or... He's more there to observe to see what happens. So, but in the future version, he's taking side with Darkseid. Yes. So, to me, I put in Forge. From the X-Men. Right, from the X-Men. Okay. Think Days of Future Past? He's the one that sends them back, right? Yep. Okay, so, like, it's kind of the same. (laughs) He's lived long enough. He's used technology to keep himself alive. Uh, Maybe he goes bad. Alright, so in this in this version he oh, and then and then in in my version of the future, Doctor Doom is Darkseid. He's the one that's that's benefited from the big tra- tra- tragedy of them destroying the Philosopher's Stone in the pra- in the past or the present. Okay, so Doctor Doom turns out to be the big baddie on this one. All right, right, not bad. The one that they need to stop. So Doom is. <laughs> that's right doom is all right uh so what did, what did you have all right so for my version of the story since again the, the, the whole idea with heroes reborn it's a brand new younger marvel universe and so in their publications they had just recently discovered galactus so they had that whole retelling <clears throat> so i decided since we're having the doorway open to space more i was gonna play with the idea of saying okay this is how we meet thanos so the premise is, you know, and, and you could take any artifact. So, of course, you know, Thanos always quested for the Cosmic Cube. And, you know, kind of putting a Marvel Universe spin on it, it's not just the Cosmic Cube. It's also an Infinity Gem. Right. So this is where it's going to like, ooh, we're going to lead to some <laughs> crazy Grant Morrison stuff here, I hope. So, um, so the idea is I used Star Fox. 
So he's a, just such a crappy character. He's the only claim to fame is that he's the brother of Darkseid. And so for in in my in my way that I balance DC and Marvel, I see the uh, Thanos and his space characters kind of like Darkseid and the New Gods. So the New Gods, granted, they have that religious element to them. Thanos has a space element, and so does Darkseid. I mean, when it all comes down to it, Darkseid's not the devil. He's just an evil space tyrant. Right. You know, so that's what I would have it. So, you know, uh, Star Fox, in in the hope of coming to Earth and like, okay, you know, like, we're going to put it that obviously with Doom, Mandarin, Loki, and Red Skull together... They're on this quest for artifacts of power. And on their quest, they do. They have the Cosmic Cube, which warps reality. So that's what enables them to have these hard light clones. So that's what they'll do. They'll make their hard light clones of the Avengers. By the way, the Avengers roster at that time for mine was Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, Ant-Man, the Hank Pym version, not our favorite Paul Rudd, and (laughs) Wasp and Vision. So that was the team. So that's how I play this one. Now, what I do is since they have that, that cosmic cube and they're using it and they're you know causing all this anarchy and evil and chaos and death, <clears throat> you know this is going to be putting it out there on the big stage. So, you know the the, the Avengers are there to kind of stop it. So you have your field team. So Captain America is going to be out there. Iron Man's going to be out there. Thor's going to be out there. Um, and in this case, they'll take Vision with them. So they go out there and bada bing, they're doing their business. And then you've kind of got your people left in reserve, managing the crisis from within. So that's where you have Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Ant-Man. So they're all there. They've got their moment. And now here comes this alien. Boom, Star Fox. And he's like, I need you all to come with me. And now with alien technology, he sends them into the future. And sure enough, they go into this chaotic future where Thanos is. So Thanos came to Earth, got the cosmic cube, and just annihilated and remade it in his image. And obviously, he always quests for death, for death's love, for her noticing. So this is a very dark Earth. You know, so a lot of people, not necessarily parademons, but, you know, whatever run-of-the-mill villain you've got. So playing in that idea, I had it that... Uh, old man Hawkeye will exist, but unfortunately, he's one of the ones who gets taken up as a soldier. And it does. It feels that way. Every time we have Hawkeye, he always does survive in the future. So right. that is good for him. That's good for Clint. <laughs> um, obviously, as we always do, he has to lose at least one eye. <laughs> he's either blind he's or either, has one yeah, eye. Exactly, yeah. Typically blind, more or less. So yeah, it's usually, you know, what's one of the worst things that could happen to a person that uses oh. a bow and arrow, right? And, you know, and this was something that was funny. I was just thinking on a tangent here. So it's kind of neat. Marvel's done a really good job of diversifying people. So you have Daredevil, who is blind. And, you know, they've done plenty of Braille things and stuff like that. And a lot of us forget Hawkeye represents the deaf community. Right. He, uh, he doesn't have his hearing. I've, I'm not sure how he lost it the first time. I don't know if it was an explosion or if he was just born deaf. I, you know, and, of course, they change the origins so often. Often, yeah. Um, but they recently put that back. Um, I remember there was actually a Marvel, a Marvel mother. She wrote into Marvel and she said, Oh, dear Marvel Comics, can you please have a deaf superhero? My, my son, he's deaf and he, he can't hear. And uh, he's ashamed to wear his hearing aid because, you know, well, no superheroes wear a hearing aid. So they did. They, they, they got an on-staff artist and they, they drew up a cute little superhero version of him where, you know, like the blue hearing or I forget what they called it. And so it really fired the kid up. And then I think that's also what kind of inspired Marvel to be like, hey, maybe we should we should bring that part of Clint back. Yeah, and then uh, I know in 
recent history, they had uh, with the popularity of Deadpool, they made it so that Deadpool even brought it up in. Yeah. in, in a, I don't know if it was his issue or Hawkeye's issue, but the two of them meet up and and uh, Daredevil or not Daredevil, Deadpool is talking and he realizes Hawkeye is kind of struggling to to understand what he's saying and he's like, oh. I forget you're deaf, and he starts signing to him. Yeah, he took his mask up, and he would mouth, and he would sign. Right. If I remember correctly, I think it was the uh, Deadpool Hawkeye miniseries that they did. Oh, well, there you go. Um, and yeah, they they totally they they did, and that was really neat. That was like, wow, that's that's kind of cool because not many people remember that part of Clint uh, was something they walked away from because actually, due to the events of Heroes Return. All the Marvel characters got a fresh start. Right. Uh, Captain America, they had toyed with the idea of him being uh, the, the, the super soldier serum would go out. So he lost his abilities and he had to wear an armor that Tony Stark gave him. Uh, Tony Stark turned out to be so evil that the Avengers plucked a Tony Stark from the past <laughs> to kill his older evil self. So that's why we have the reference Teen Tony, in case yeah. you're ever wondering about that. <laughs> Uh, just all kinds of weird stuff. And so, yeah, when they returned, that was everything. And that actually paved the way for Thor to come back the first time he was gone for a while. Uh, because before that, Thor was kind of MIA. And so they, they brought him back. And that was when he got merged with Jake Olsen. And they had that whole thing. But yeah, uh, Hawkeye, his body was basically reborn. So he didn't have the hearing issues. So which is funny because you think about it during uh, Dark Rain, which we talked about on our last ish, our last. Uh, podcast um uh hawkeye gives over the ronin identity to echo who does have a hearing uh that's true impediment. yeah that is because most people thought that ronin was going to be uh oh i'm sorry echo gave it to, to hawkeye yeah that's right she was cause, because because everybody the, the, the thought the ruse was it was going to be matt Dared, murdoch yeah we thought matt murdoch was going to be in the ronin outfit and he's blind but no it's actually echo in it who's deaf she gives it to Hawkeye, who was also deaf, but they didn't bring that up in that storyline. Well, because at that point, um, like I said, due to the events of Heroes Return, Heroes Return, Hawkeye didn't have the hearing loss. Hmm. Um, we actually ha- Hawkeye had his hearing all the way up until recently with the new series, because even when Wanda killed him, spoiler alert for a comic over ten years old, um, <laughs> during Avengers Disassembled, when he was killed. Um, he was reborn in the storyline. Um, oh gosh, what was the Avengers the X-Men crossover? The first one, House of M. House of M. That's he right. was reborn in House of M, and in that one, that was the that was when he his body was basically like rebuilt and fresh. And then he lost his hearing recently in his in his last Hawkeye series, the one by Matt Fraction and David Asia. And that one, they had him basically. He he took an arrow into the ear. Yeah, it was so. a hardcore scene. I mean, he, <laughs> eardrums are just done. And now, is that the storyline? Because you said Matt Fraction. Is that the one where he ends up owning that building? Yes. Okay. By the way, if you haven't read that, another great comic. Um, <laughs> I it, It's funny. I've been a Hawkeye supporter for the longest time. I always bought his you know standalone miniseries and stuff like that. And here comes another Hawkeye number one. And I just couldn't bring myself. I was like, you know what? I'm sorry, Clint. I just can't do it. And now I'm kicking myself because I'm like, God, it was actually would, a good story. It was fantastic, <laughs> and now it's a fortune, so I'll probably be picking up the hardcovers or something. Um, but anyway, sorry, major tangent, <laughs> kind of like a Grant Morrison twist. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, um, Hawkeye in this one, he's actually the drone. 
Okay. He's going to be the one who, you know, he's got the cybernetics and whatnot. So that's why it's going to be funny because he doesn't need his vision because he's going to have all these other things. But, of course, you know, technology can never beat a gut instinct. And that's something that Hawkeye is proud of. So he's going to be ultimately pissed. Like, what? I'm a robot clown, essentially? Mm-hmm. Um, due to Thanos taking over with everything and him having the cosmic powers... Or not the cosmic power, the cosmic cube. That's basically going to be kind of like there's no real need for magic. So that's why Wanda loses her way because she's no longer tapped into like chaos magics and all that stuff. And then this is where I want to give a big moment. Hank Pym. He's like the Aquaman of that group. He's the grim and gritty veteran of the team that's that's doing the cool stuff. You know, he's the leader from the front. So this is actually going to be a cool moment for Hank. Good. No more like, oh, I'm scared. I created Ultron. I hit my wife. This is like Hank who's like, you know, like I kind of want to, you know, kind of steal from when the Atom, you know, was, was cool. And he's going to have this little sword and, you know, he's like, charge and just going <laughs> on the front. Which I like um, because, you know, uh, in Justice League, even though Aquaman is there from the day one, he's kind of he's always going to be the second fiddle to the big three. Oh, yeah. So, just like Hank Pym, even though he was there from day one of the Avengers, he's always going to be a second <laughs> fiddle to the big three. Yeah. I mean, heck, he predates Captain America, but yet he'll still take a back seat to Captain America. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I like that. He ends up coming up, uh, kind of being their rallier, their leader. Yeah. So we discover that Star Fox is the one who sends them there. Uh, the twist is Thanos mind-controlled his brother, and he sent his brother because his brother's more humanoid-looking. I mean, you see Thanos with that crumpy chin and purple malicious face. You're knowing not to trust him. So he, he tricks his brother. So eventually, you know, they, they, they meet, you know, and, and their, their younger selves are in these newer bodies. And who's going to be the one to live to tell the tale that says, oh, you know what? It was this moment in history that stopped all of everything. So in that, in the DC comic story, it was Batman. And Batman took over as uh, Dan, or sorry, as Darkseid's right-hand torturer to Sad. That's right. So in this storyline, um, I actually give it to Tony Stark. Um, he's kind of become ultimately the ghost in the machine. So he's running around in the background and using more of his technology stuff to kind of keep himself invisible. And as he's planning to confront Thanos on, you know, like an anniversary return to Earth, you know, he was like, all right, this is my moment. This is where we're going to take him. And then he sees Ant-Man, Scarlet Witch, and Hawkeye. And he's like, where the hell have you guys been? What's going on? And and they're all just kind of amazed. And so this is the, you know, the Avengers are back. They stopped Thanos. Um, for me, the cool moment in the story was how they killed Darkseid. So they ultimately, you know, they, they, they band together as a team. They stop Thanos by firing Atom on an arrow and the light can break through Darkseid's shield. And so playing up on the classic Hawkeye pulling back with Ant-Man riding on an arrow, I'm going to steal that, but it's, you know, old man Hawkeye with old man Hank Pym and they shoot him straight into Thanos and puncture his eyes you know, destroy his brain lobe and slay Thanos. And then, boom, they they get warped back into the past and they stop themselves. Uh, Specifically Thor, he's going to have the classic moment where he's going to just bring Mjolnir straight down on the cosmic cube. But, you know, ultimately it's like, no, we got to stop this. One other plot point that I forgot, Vision would have actually been my Hour Man. Okay. So the android body would have still been there. And I would have toyed with, um, it turns out the Vision really was the Human Torch. 
So that way, oh. he's been there since the start of Marvel Comics, and he'll be there in the far future. Kind of playing with how Grant Morrison did the whole one million months later. Right. So I would have had that happen. So it turns out, you know, the vision's always been there. He's, he's this grand thing. So ultimately, as, you know, as those guys return, you know, Ant-Man using his ant helmet is like, don't, 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 you know, screaming, don't hit the thing. So Vision, obviously being total machinery, picks up on the telecast, and he's the one who stops. And I would love to do, you know, kind of playing again from the Avengers movie, where Thor's bringing the hammer straight down, and you just see Vision catch it. Palm it, yeah. Just palm it, like, hold on one second, and <laughs> Thor's just going to have this, like, what? How did that happen? This face, like, <laughs> how in the world do you stop me, Ulner? Fair enough. I, I, uh, once again, you know, we've, uh, I've managed, you've managed to awe me with uh, your story, and uh, I hope that I've done the same. I think... Uh, I like your wild cards. Honestly, like, to me, I, I think it's really neat. Victor Creed, I like that. Um, I just... You know, he's such a Marvel character. They don't capitalize on him. They don't. They, they just think of him. He's this big bully, this big hillbilly redneck. In reality, Victor Creed is ever... He is more... Like, I love how he always calls Wolverine the runt. Right. Because Wolverine would be a runt to that guy. To so him, can you imagine yeah. if Wolverine is the best he is at what he does, then what the hell is Sabretooth? <laughs> you know, so I like that. I like your Which twists. Which is unfortunate that, you know, we think, I mean, Victor Creed has basically become not just only an X-Men villain, but he's a, a Wolverine villain. Like, really, he only shows up to tor- tor- yeah, torment just... Wolverine. But original his original showing was in Iron Fist. Yeah, he was a Marvel U guy. Yeah. And he just got stuck into the Wolverine corner. So, I mean, which they, they've come up with great fights between the two of them. Oh, they I, have. I, and and, and the, the few times that I've read uh, uh, mini, mini series that have to do with Sabretooth, I really enjoy the character, even though he's a complete sociopath and mm-hmm. you know murderous maniac but it's still usually a pretty good series so i i liked the fact that i was able to throw him in there yeah i think that's neat and it's kind of cool because uh they recently had the marvel axis event and that one Sabretooth became a good guy wow yeah he totally because axis so they're shifting their polarities ah. good is bad bad is good so victor becomes the ultimate good guy and it's like he he he's even better than wolverine so I think, yeah, I agree with you. He is totally underplayed. So I like that he's going to be like... Because everybody reading that story would think, oh, pff, whatever, Sabretooth, right? No, <laughs> he's the guy who's going to be like, screw you, Justice, or you know, screw you, Avengers, and then turn around and be like, screw you, Masters of Evil. And it's like, wait, that little mutant dog-looking guy, he outplayed both of them? Oh, yeah, totally exactly. Does. Yep. I, I think that's great. That is... You know, again, like luckily I get to sit in your writer's room and be like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so I'm going to see that twist. And fandom is not like when that issue hits, that would be cool. It'd be like, crazy. going to be yeah. like, wait, what did expect? You know, so I uh, think that's neat. Getting to, uh, and so those are our, our two changes. What we, we, we decided is the things that we did talk about earlier in the, in the, in this story that we didn't change anything though is Aztec was a character that you, we, we talked about earlier yes. and you said he has a a big reveal in the Justice League book because it's kind of where he's uh, or not Justice League book JLA book because it's where he's prominent in the DCU at this point he, he, he the whole idea is that he is given this power suit uh, because he's supposed to be the reincarnation of the Aztec sun god and he is he's supposed to be there to stop a coming Armageddon, and uh, you find out that his suit <coughs> is actually um, funded by Lex Luthor himself. Yeah, that was a cool aha moment in the story. You know, here's his, and he was, he was this character. I think he, 
I think his first appearance was Aztec number one. So what a risky move. You know, brand new character gets his own solo first issue. And, you know, Grant kind of stole the character, said, hey, I'm going to bring over to my Justice League book, JLA. And that was the big moment where it's like, here's this guy who's been told, like, you are the man of our village and you will save us from the threat of the almighty destroyer. And yeah, and here's the warrior suit that you're going to wear into <laughs> battle and, and you're going to be the it's best. It's been and prophesized all like, and all this oh, stuff. Yeah. It's Luther money. <laughs> yeah, Luther's. And Luther uses that. He, oh, he, he gets, he gets so inside well. uh, Aztec's suit and says, hey, look, you, I, I made you, so you need to come work for me and help me out. Now, the other character, Connor Hawk, the Green Arrow in this comic book, actually does take up Luther on his offer. He feels that he's being underutilized in the JLA, or he doesn't belong, because he's like, I shoot arrows. I don't belong here with Superman and Batman and, yeah, and Martian Manhunter. But uh, he does think that he he can go over to Luther's side and, and uh, you know, be take out his vengeance i guess on the justice league we come to find out that that was all a ruse it was part of batman's plan to have a guy on the inside yeah, but lex luther also knew that he was it was a ruse so he was using it to his advantage too like, well that got me into your justice league headquarters you know what was funny was uh at one point um luther uh equates the whole fighting the justice league at this level to a hostile takeover Oh. Like, as a businessman. Yeah. And that's what we got in the 90s, kind of, was a, a Lex Luthor that wasn't so much scientist anymore, but businessman. Because, you know, that's what we were dealing with oh, in the that's world. That's the worst villain in the modern age. Yeah, you know, it's a businessman. So, at another point in the story, Bruce Wayne, Batman being Bruce Wayne, recognizes all these steps as a hostile takeover. And he goes, well, Lex doesn't know that he's dealing with Bruce Wayne, someone else that can also do the same. Yeah. So you have these two business... And I thought that was great in Morrison's run, that he, oh. he took this aspect of these two characters that you don't usually see too often True. and actually put them at the front of you know these two businessmen trying to take over the other company, the other company being a super team. Yeah, I thought that was a neat play because it's like... You know, and it's funny because, like, in modern times, and I would say, honestly, I'd say that's where that first originated from. You never really had, like, okay, yeah, maybe Batman would punch Lex Luthor when they were, you know, fighting Luthor in the world's finest comic book, right, the right. Silver Age. This was the first time where it's like, wait a minute, Batman and Lex Luthor should be villains. They should be against each other. And, I mean, that, that led to such great moments to when Lex Luthor became president of the United States. Right. And, you know, so then Batman's like, I'm stealing your kryptonite. And then Lex Luthor's like, if you do that, I will put the full throttle of the presidency to hunt you down. Don't you dare touch my kryptonite. You or know? or uh, at the fallout of um, uh, No Man's Land in Batman. Right? You have, you have Bruce Wayne, who at this point is not liked by the rest of Gotham because they feel that he, Bruce he abandoned Wayne them. abandoned Gotham, even though Batman was there every day. Yeah. But Lex Luthor at the very end comes in and says, no. Luther's Luther Luther Core is going to come or Lex Core, I'm sorry, is going to come in and fix up everything for uh for Gotham, which is the start of basically Lex's run for yeah, presidency. That's true. Yeah. He's you know, look, I cleaned up Gotham after the, you know, the rest of the country left them for dead. Bruce Wayne, their own son, the son of Gotham left them for dead. So that that's you know, that was the time when they were the two of them were doing this whole back and forth thing, like you were saying, as businessmen, and it was pretty yeah. awesome. Oh, I think that was neat because it's you know it, it grounds your superheroics and it, it plays the full throttle. I mean, it's I mean, look at how many different 
heroes and villains in our DC universe are millionaires. Oh man, or tech it, giants. It's funny, like that that meme. There's a meme out there where it says, you know, like he Batman's fighting uh, Mister Freeze, and he's like, "Don't call me Mister Freeze, call me Doctor Freeze." And it's like, well, wait a minute, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, uh, Doctor Strange. Strange. You know, Batman's fighting a cathedral of doctors. <laughs> you know, Superman is not fighting just these, you know, strong guys. He's fighting these geniuses. Right. Brainiac is an nth level genius. I mean, so it is funny how it's like, you know, because like I used to think about that too. Like if you sit down, look at the original, look at the original Avengers. Okay. So you have a master to strategist of the U.S. Army, you know, Thor in his identity back then was a doctor, a physician. Right. Hankman or uh, Hank Pym, Hank Hankman, <laughs> Hank Pym, Ant Man is a you know Doctor Hank Pym. Right. Um, Iron Man, you know, wealthy industrialist, and um, who am I missing? Uh, Bruce the Hulk, Banner. Bruce Banner, Doctor, doctor Bruce yeah. Banner. So it's funny you have these like cream of the crop people. You know, I mean, Spider Man really is the first one to kind of be like. Hi, I'm a high school kid, you know? Because, <laughs> hell, even Robin, he wasn't just some teenager. He's a world-class acrobat. That's true. I mean, so I mean, like, yeah, geez. he was able to throw in his acrobatics, or his acrobatics is going to be able to let him survive the training of Batman, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, so. it's like, so we, we don't just have average Joes. So it was neat to really take that side. And plus, it's neat because it's like, now you have the full character. It's not just a Batman adventure. It's a Batman Bruce Wayne story. You know, and Lex Luthor, he's so evil that he doesn't need a mask of villainy. He's evil business and he's evil villainy. <laughs> That's you know? right. It's like, oh, how cool is that? <laughs> uh, and then the very, I think one of the last uh, reveals or uh, tidbits that we get from the story that Grant Morrison creates is Wonder World. Now, yes. uh, this is a world that uh, they travel to. It's another universe or whatever where everybody's larger than the heroes. But they have their own... It's like a world full of heroes, yeah. of superpowered beings. Yeah. It was just crazy. I mean, I, it's not, I don't know if you can expand on it more yourself. There's not really much else to talk. They spend so little time there yeah. that I, I just wanted to see more of it. And I assume there's some place that Grant Morrison uses it again. Well, I think... It wasn't, wasn't that where they toy with the idea that... Because I know Grant Morrison's run culminated in World War Three. The right. first World War Three, they've had like <laughs> six of them in the DCU alone, but and, and and that's where we fought Mageddon, right? And I think that's where it turns out that that was the thing that Aztec was built to stop was Mageddon, because another crazy moment in Aztec history was in the superhero, not the the, the Mayan people, the actual <laughs> culture. But uh, the uh, you have Aztec piloted the ship that crashed and Mageddon exploded, and it was like I'm gonna die, and it literally was. Start to finish, here's a full character's life, which is crazy. You know, you don't really get to say, no. like, oh, I have that whole character's guest appearance sheet right here. So maybe it's time to polish him off and bring him into the new 52. I don't know. <laughs> um, you never know. I mean, Azrael's come back. Why right? not Aztec? I'll make another phone call. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they, they totally didn't. So I think, that if I remember correctly, I think Mageddon was something from Wonder World. It was something that just came to ours, and that's why it was tough for us because, yeah, here's this world of these giants, these amazing beings. I mean, they're all perfect and 
and superior in every way. And, you know, here comes like a, an evil smartphone of theirs to come attack 1990s <laughs> Earth. You know, the Internet sucked back then. So, yeah. So, once again, if you want to read uh, these issues of JLA, Rock of Ages, this is storyline. It was issues uh, 10 through 16? 15. 10 through 15. 10 through 15 plus uh, an annual? No, it just straight up was that. Rock of Ages was a start at 10, finished at 15. Okay. Well, there All you right go. there. Uh, I don't think we've picked our story that we or our. No, this challenge is yours. Okay, well I, I've been toying around with this one, and I don't know exactly how we would do it, but for the next podcast, I guess I would like, I would like, us to try and do, uh, Red Sun, Superman Red Sun in the Marvel U. Ooh, is that is that sound? I mean, are we are we doing too much of just Marvel DC? I mean, we know that's the one I feel I know the best. I you know honestly, I, I know I'm more of a Marvel DC guy than anything. Um, I'm willing to dabble, you know, and definitely re- that's what, listeners. Yeah, that's exactly. you. If you if you like I, like I know. Okay, I'm reading Walking Dead and Thief of Thieves. You know, so if I wanted to toy it up, you know, okay, Thief of Thieves is the ultimate heist comic book. You know, it's Ocean's Eleven, just sexier. So, you know, but then again, I'm, I'm going to, if I throw out a challenge, I'll be like, all right, cast Thief of Thieves in the Marvel Universe or cast in the DC Universe. You know, uh, Walking Dead, I love it. I love the show. I love the comic. You know, again, well, who's your Rick? Who's your DC Comics Rick? Who's your Marvel Comics Rick? You know, so I'm, I'm always going to go back and forth between the big two. Um, so, so anybody out there that's listening that you have... Uh, image story that you want to do a dark horse story uh, you know a uh, I don't know what else is out Disney there comics. Disney comics Disney comics <laughs> 2000 AD you know anything out there you want to see, you, you want to hear some Judge Dredd into it we'll, we'll, we'll you, read it and we'll give you our takes <laughs> you tell us we'll we'll go find the issues and we'll we'll uh, do our best to try and uh, do that but for right now I want to see the Red Su- Superman Red Sun in the Marvel U nice okay that'll That'll be interesting. My, my mind's <laughs> One coming of, up. Uh, you know, Mark Mark Miller's more uh, prominent oh, storylines. He's, I mean, he's um, he's already created his own like the Millerverse. Millerverse, yes. Yeah. Which some of the great great stories that I've read have come from there. But don't forget, he's done some of the gr- great stories in uh, the big two, the Mar- DC and Marvel. You got Red Sun here, and you got Old Man Logan in in Marvel. Yeah, and, and what's funny. To even kind of give background on Mark Millar, Mark Miller, Mark Millar, I'm not too sure. I think sure. it's Miller. Um, he kind of got his start in the DC Universe working on Superman Adventures, the cartoon comic book tie-in. Yeah, the comic book adaptation of the cartoon, yeah. the and, 90s cartoon. And apparently those issues are amazing. Those are some <laughs> of the best Superman stories ever. Wow. Um, him and Grant Morrison teamed up and they wrote some amazing Flash stories, Wally West Adventures. Um, you know, then he, he got his big kick on the Red Sun story, which just blew up. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say I haven't read it. So really, this, yeah, I will finally Very, now have to sit down and read Red Sun. Yeah, you will. It is my homework and I will so solemnly swear <laughs> to do it. Um, so that, that's going to be exciting. Um, then he went on to the Marvel side of things and he's the one who gave us the ultimates, which basically gave us the Marvel cinematic universe. It is. That is very true. He's why we have. Nick Fury as Samuel L. Jackson or Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, however you wish to look at it. You know, is it Batman or is it Bruce Wayne? You know, um, so he gave us that, and you know, he's even gone on to his own successful spin on things. You know, he's given us Kick Ass, Hit Wanted, Girl, Hit Wanted. Girl. I mean, just all these amazing oh, Nemesis. Things. Nemesis. Nemesis oh. is such a great storyline. I mean, think if anybody who hasn't read it, think Batman, but 
super villain. Like this, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna interject something. So Curly, I, I know you listen. This, this is a special shout out to one of my best guys, Ramon Curly, my my Ebony, my sidekick out there, one of my uh, a true friend, a true guy who's in there. So I remember he 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 responded to the question about do you like hero stories of redemption or going into villainy? Some kind of paraphrase. Oh, but yeah, basically I had put out there that uh, which who which stories do you guys like better? Um, the the hero that that ends up going evil or the villain that needs to, that wants to redeem himself. Yeah, and to me, and this is a story again, Curly. I, I would recommend it to you, and I'd recommend it to all our listeners. It's a four issue comic book. You can buy the singles, or you can buy a trade paperback. Nemesis, exactly. He is Batman, but just a total dick. I think he kicks a puppy in the comic book. He is that. <laughs> I mean. wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> he, I mean, it's like picture Batman's costume: no logo, no ears, and just pure white. He pure is that white. opposite. And it's like instead of like, oh, I'm here to help Jim Gordon. He's here to torment Jim Gordon. He just goes after the guy. It's so brutal. Um, it's an amazing comic. I'm, I'm surprised we haven't seen that film yet. I am. I believe really, they are supposed to be working on it. Wow, that's going to be so, crazy. Uh, yeah. Because that even makes me think of. Oh God! What's the the the, the Mark Wave evil Superman irredeemable? Well, that's what I was going to say next. If you really want to see uh, a a good um, version of of the two of the of that exact question, you have uh, irredeemable, where there, there's a Superman esque character that basically turns evil. He realizes that he can't do the things that needs to be done to be this ultimate hero, which he wants to be. So he just turns evil. And then on the opposite side of the coin, you have this. Almost a uh, bad guy Wolverine character that once irredeemable turns, or his name's not irredeemable, but once the Superman character turns evil, he's like, well, I need to turn good. So he's an evil character that turns good to fight uh, the Superman character. So there's two different books, irredeemable ir- and incorruptible. Very two good reads. Yeah, they ran together. Very nice. Uh, they finished together too. That I believe. Was, yeah, that was really neat. Uh, Get what? Uh, stu- Boom Studio. Boom, yeah, Boom Comic Books came up, uh, brought to us by Mark uh, Mark Wade, great writer, another guy who gives good stories. Um, but yeah, great going back Flash to Mark, stories, Blur, right? yeah, well, he did a lot for Flash. Kingdom Come, Kingdom Come, that's right. He gave us Kingdom Come. Which, you know, one day we're gonna have to tackle that one. Oh gosh, I am looking forward <laughs> to that. I, it's uh, one of my favorites. I think we're gonna have to have the six-hour podcast special <laughs> where I will go in depth, panel by panel. Uh, Alex Ross, if you're listening, can you start drawing for me? <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, so okay, so it sounds like the challenge will then be cast the Red Sun storyline in the Marvel Universe. So that means you have any any, any hero, hero in the Marvel Universe. So I could be, be like Professor Xavier. Not <laughs> <laughs> Professor Xavier is born in communist Russia. <laughs> uh, so there we go. That's our challenge for next next podcast. We will definitely try and get it to you in two weeks like we we're supposed to. Everything should be back to normal. Uh, sincerest apologies. Thank you guys for hanging in there and waiting for us, and we will, con- you know, we will we will give you some good stuff. And thank you for the questions on the Facebook. It was exciting to uh, get to read those and, and hear what you'd like, and it was a nice opener for today. It's yeah, definitely keep them know, coming. It definitely it you know we answered those on the spot, so that's always fun to kind of get those creative <laughs> juices flowing. Some awesome stuff. Uh, so uh, we come to the part where we explain where you can meet us. So uh, or you talk to us. You can meet me anytime you want. But uh, I will on, be on, on on winter break pretty soon. <laughs> uh, on Twitter, I am at agent underscore of the underscore bat. Franey is. Let me find it. I still have yet to memorize my Twitter, which is embarrassing. 
Um, I believe it's at stuff I should say. I'm pretty sure that's right. Okay, at stuff I should, S-H-U-D, capital S-A, well, say, at stuff I should say. Um, you'll notice the cool little uh, Star-Lord mini-made icon, that's me. <laughs> there you um, go. I like to put, I'm more of a Facebook guy, so Christopher Franey, you'll see me on Geek Elite. Yeah, that's um, right, that's the other place. So you can get Geek Elite Radio on Twitter as at Geek Elite Radio, uh, at, or then just Geek Elite Radio on Facebook, geekeliteradio.com is our website. You know, download us off of iTunes or listen to us on Stitcher, which is a, a great po- a great podcast app that I use personally to listen to any podcast that I want to listen to. Um, but, you know, on iTunes, if you download us, go ahead and give us a five-star rating and a review, and I'll love you forever. You can just think about that, me loving you. Uh, he will show up at your doorstep with a box <laughs> full of love. That's right. Well, that's what I call it, love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's what they said in the police report, but... <laughs> uh, but if you don't have anything else... No, just just definitely please keep giving us questions and whatnot. Um, if you have any comic book questions, I love to dabble. Uh, I, I don't like learning real world history. I love learning about <laughs> fictional world history and spouting off at it. Um, it's been fantastic. If you are a movie fan, just to plug, I know we've been posting it like crazy, but gosh, we've gotten another, well, we finally got the Civil War trailer. We got Batman versus Superman, another trailer. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 trailer, which was better than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. Um, (laughs) Apocalypse, I still have yet to get excited about it, but, you know, hey... Hey, no Ivan News, so I'm happy That's about that. True. Apocalypse is not purple. <laughs> he looked, yes, he, he looked way better. So, I mean, it's it has been a very exciting week for comic books. And uh, comic the book TV readers. shows have been insane, too. The, the mid-season uh, finales for a lot of the TV shows have been crazy. I couldn't believe uh, some of the reveals that they made. Uh, if you listen to Televised Heroics, you know that I called one of the big uh, twists from... This season, but uh, the inside rumor is uh, the the CBS folks were listening <laughs> and they, they heard this idea and they stole it from Mitch. So uh, our legal department is currently in talks. Well, with you know, trying to settle that. Andrew Kreisberg came to me and he said, "Look, Mitch, I know you got all this uh, pent up ideas, and what what do you have for me?" And I said, "Well, you can use this one actually." So. Just, just to give John one. Jones some love. That's right. <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, I you know I say say you know it's been a great show, uh, and I hope we have many more to come. I hope so too. So thank you, folks. Always keep listening. This has been Imagine If on the Geek Elite Radio Network. Saying, "Geek out." We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.